the biggest relationship we will ever have in our life is the one we have with our body. So it pays to pay attention to what's happening in your system and how to to get the most out of it and keep it keep it going for as long as possible. Hello and welcome to episode 82. So we're kind of on the bounce of three episodes in a row, talking to interesting women and hearing their great stories. In our last episode, we met Hayley Jones, the not stereotypical accountant. In the next episode coming after this one, we're going to meet Sandy and we're going to talk about mental health. But today, it is a fab conversation with Melanie Griffiths about movement. And Melanie is based on the Yala White And she runs a number of different services. She does dance and fitness classes, workshops. She does events, holidays and meditation and mindful movement sessions as well. Well, today our conversation is all about movement, why it matters and why you could be better off if you got more movement into your life. Now, this is a really full episode and we covered loads of stuff. There's an insight into Melanie's experience and how movement has had an impact on so many things, including a really serious illness. There are practical tips to help you get more movement into your world. And towards the end of the episode, we talk about relationships and specifically where people who work in very different worlds, how that can impact their home life. So as you can tell already, it was a really varied chat. I was in the studio. Melanie was in the Isle of Wight. And I tell you now, She's such a ball of energy that I challenge you to listen and not feel compelled to get up and add more movement into your life. In fact, the chances are that while you're listening to this, you might already be out walking the dog or doing some household chores or mowing the lawn. But whatever you're doing, let's find out more together about the joy of movement. Hello, Melanie. Good morning. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So you are in what appears to be a sunny Isle of Wight. Yeah, I think, I that... think it's just a moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we decided that we should have a conversation and record it for the podcast because we met um, through Portsmouth Business Exchange, didn't we, that yeah. Penny Plimmer runs. Penny's great, isn't the she? The fabulous she is... Penny Plimmer. She's <laughs> so cool. I'm going to... I. I... <laughs> Definitely want to give a shout out. To We're going to big her up here. Yeah, absolutely. She, she is amazing. Well, she's connected me with so many fab people, including yourself, and um, and and is actually providing me like ammunition for guests for the podcast. I'm fending them <laughs> off. I'll only talk to interesting people. Hence, why we're talking to you. Yeah. Uh, so um, I've probably done some sort of intro for this podcast already, uh, talking about who you are and what we're talking about. But if I've forgotten and I haven't done that, can you just tell us, please, who you are, um, what you what you do? What are you doing? What am I doing? Yes. I question that a lot, actually. What am I doing? <laughs> so I'm Melanie and um, movement is my thing. That's the short the short bit. But it's really movement in health and well-being um, and health and well-being defined as body, mind, self and emotions. So the whole package. Okay. You. So you... Your company was called Movement Junkie. It was wasn't called it? Movement Junkie, yeah. Well, actually, okay. it's had several incarnations prior to that as well. Right, okay, fantastic. I've, uh, I've tried to get the balance of the whole 
elements, so body and mind, so that it wasn't just one thing or the other. So Movement Junkie stayed around for a while. Okay. Yeah. And um, again, if I have actually done a proper intro, I'll, I'll explain to our listeners that um, we're talking about movement because the connection between movement and work for some people, there can be a disconnect. Um, so we thought it would be useful to share some um, ideas about why movement matters, why it's important, how people can include it in their working day, and just talk about some other fun stuff. I, we're just going to make it up as we go along, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. Mean, that, I don't definitely. know about you, I haven't done any prep. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I was thinking the same. <laughs> so, um, some movement then. So how how did you get into movement? Oh, gosh. So sit down, <laughs> get a, get yeah. a cup of coffee or whatever. You've, to you've told me that I have to rein you in. So I know. In 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 five sentences, Melanie. How did you get into? I movement? can't count either. <laughs> <laughs> so it started when I was very young. So we go all the way back to being a fidgety child. Right. The, and this, I think, I now can see the connections. A fidgety child. Mum didn't know what to do with me, so I was put into tumble tots classes or whatever the equivalent was back then. And I absolutely loved it. I loved moving. And then I went on, um, and then from there, and this is a long time ago, so what was available in terms of movement was very, very limited compared with what is available now. I was channeled into dance quite, quite. I think that was a sort of natural um, step for me. And I started doing ballet, tap, modern that was all that was available in the dance world at that okay. time. I mean, now kids can do all kinds of stuff. And I trained in that for years up until about the age of 18. Um, and I got a little bit disillusioned with the whole dance world in terms of it was quite rigid. It was elitist, still carry some of that today. And it was funneling you into exams or performance, really, or both. And I lost the joy of movement and I lost interest in what I was doing. So when I had a whole other life, which is probably a whole other podcast, um, but I came back to movement when I was seriously ill and I came back to movement in a new way. And then I really reconnected with movement and began to understand the importance of movement for health and well-being beyond the training I'd had as a, a young person, teenager. And then I was able to um, go back into levels of performing with it, but in a different way. So that's okay. kind of, that was more, probably more than five sentences. No, no. <laughs> Very basic question then. When you say movement, because many of our listeners might be thinking, well, I, I move around. I don't need anyone to tell me how to move. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by movement? Well, it re literally that really, because I think... Um, movement if we if we go into like words like dance physical activity fitness or types of movement activity like running people immediately think it's got to be and I'm doing air quotes here a thing yeah. but actually movement is very simple and movement in its simplicity of literally range of motion with the joints muscles and bones etc can be beneficial to the body if you strip it back to that basic place, then it can actually be beneficial and you can build on that. And there are schools of thought around now that have gone back to, I mean, I think there are terms like wild fitness and now it gets labelled. Um, but, yeah, so I am talking about basic movement, but what I have discovered 
is that people have set patterns that they live within um, okay. and they live in an, um, I would say, a level of autopilot. Right. And what what we want to do for health and well-being is sort of get beyond that and really tune into our bodies and all of the, the things. So the term came to mind, which is through one of my trainings, 700-200, which is the number of the muscles and the bones. And they're probably not exact because there are different schools of thought all the time. Sure. But when you think about that is what a body holds. And then muscles, 200 bones. Yeah. Wow. And then people have sedentary jobs where they're sat. We're not, des- we're not actually designed for that purpose. We're yeah. actually designed to be moving. I'm actually moving. You can't see that. <laughs> I'm actually, Steve can see that. <laughs> I, and, I, and it's good. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a couple of arm flicks. <laughs> but it, we are actually designed to move. And so my, my journey with, with movement has become being fascinated by the body and what it's capable of. I mean, even if you just look at the hand and you look at all the different things a hand can do, um, and you can take that into um, levels of movement that improve your health and well-being. Okay. we. I like this podcast to be interactive. So listeners, hold your hand up in front of your face. <laughs> Melanie has just said, look at your hand. So let's all look at our hands. Yeah, um, yeah it is... It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, when yeah. you think about it. Can we you take it for granted, don't we? Yeah. You look at all the fingers and the way they move, the rotation in the wrist. Yeah. And and that is what all of the movement systems that we know or we hear about today, that's what they're all built on, is our basic range of motion in our body. Okay. So um, in a minute, we'll probably come on to kind of practical stuff that people can do at work or, or at home or whatever. But you touched on a couple of things. You talked about fitness and then sedentary. So if we just look at those two extremes. So a lot of our listeners might do uh, some kind of fitness regime, running. Um, yeah. I started running again this week for the first time for a year. It's hard. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, go to the gym, whatever. But there is a difference between a fitness routine and what you mean by movement? Have I got that? Right? Yeah, yeah. I I think um, I'm trying to think how to explain it. I think people people can go to classes or take up sport and activities, and this might be a bit controversial, but possibly be movement people out there going ah, <laughs> and they still don't really know how to move their bodies. I, I've seen it a lot. I, I've watched a lot of movement over the years, particularly dance. Dance has really been my main focus throughout my life. And I've been to see many shows. And I can tell a dancer who knows how to move their body and a dancer who doesn't but is still dancing. There is a different there is a difference in their in their essence, in their energy, the way it's presented, right. what you're drawn to with the eyes. So I think what happens or what can happen is people take up sport and activities. They get injured and they get injured because they actually don't, they haven't really stripped things back to how do I basically move? Okay. And I have actually, I've just thought of a great example. Um, I did a training um, years ago with some amazing guys called Anatomy in Motion, um, the Finding Center, and they work with the gait cycle. So how we walk. Okay, right. and they and they work with the correct anatomical 
movement through the bones and joints of how so and I decided so I did this training and I was teaching um, a holistic movement class at the time called dance chillax and I love playing with different movement forms and thoughts and things like that so as we were coming to the end of the class I thought oh I know I'm going to have a little play with that gait cycle idea I'm going to take what I've been doing with them and bring it into a lyrical movement so it was literally just having people step forwards and back with a heel strike as if they would walk. And when you naturally walk, your arms move in opposition. Mm. So we'd broken it down and were slowing it down. Mm. People could not walk. Right. <laughs> they couldn't get that opposition. They was, And I, I was absolutely fascinated. And I thought... This goes to prove that actually, even if we've done loads and loads of activities throughout our life, we actually may not necessarily know how to move our own bodies or what's even going on in there. Prior to taking up running again this week, um, my movement regime was I usually do a a walk in the mornings, uh, so like a two-mile circuit up the hill and back again. One of the things that I learned, I can't remember where it was, uh, is the importance of that oppositional move with your arms and why it's important that your arms move while you walk. The problem is, of course, and I'm holding up my mobile phone, you see so many people walking with two hands holding this mobile phone device in front of them. And, I mean, A, if they're not paying attention, they might get run over. But but presumably, that's interrupting that natural flow. That's having an impact. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things I would say is, people, put your phone down. (laughs) Put your phones down, for goodness sake. I mean, yeah, when if you listen to this on your phone at the moment, don't put your phone down yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it, no, do right now. <laughs> when I take the dogs out for a walk, I always leave my phone at home. Right. I think I really think that we need time away from the devices. Yes. To get to know our bodies again, and and yes. like you're saying that whether it's a physical interruption or even a mental interruption, it's actually interruption uh, interrupting that connection we have. Yeah, yeah. With our bodies, we've yeah. lost it. So yeah. many of us. Yeah. And that presumably then has a detrimental effect. So, so the relationship between uh, movement and and you know um, fully moving your full body and our minds and how effective we are at what we do. Tell us a little bit about the part movement plays in all that. Ah, oh, so most people are familiar with the phrase mind body connection, right? And so for me. Uh, it's partly through my own health and well-being, partly through training. I came to learn and understand, really through my own experience, a body-mind connection, which is slightly different. So there's a lot of thinking out there about, you know, direct the mind and it will direct the body. But as I was going through my own healing, I discovered there were places in the body I was holding tension energy that had become so deeply embedded it had manifested itself okay um and i i as as a cancer so right um so my my healing from that was movement led so as i moved the body in different ways as i activated uh, my energy levels as i played with range of motion i released anything stuck so sort of tension in the body which then raised the um serotonin levels in the mind and it changes the thought processes so 
you can come at this from I, I do think you can come at this from both angles. And and I would say I'm a big proponent of there is no right way. There is only your way. So we're always on this little scientific discovery experiment with ourselves and what works. Um, and I would always encourage people to play with all of this because that's how you get to know. So you so you started talking there about the fact that in your experience, your movement and its impact on serotonin and your mind released something in your body which, have I understood this correctly, you feel actually helped rid your body of the cancer. Is that Absolutely, yeah. Wow. I know. And I know in fact, going back to when I had the diagnosis, um so I gotta I gotta backtrack a bit here, but uh so when I had the diagnosis, I knew I wanted to heal myself holistically. Okay. And I knew it was going to be controversial with the situation I was in at the time. Um, and I remember sitting for a week and I had a meditation practice and I sort of, lo- the only way I can describe it is loosely, I went in and out of meditation trance all week and I didn't really talk to anyone. This is after the diagnosis. Right. And at the end of the diagnosis, I came away with two ideas. Um, I, well, three really, I suppose. I knew I wanted to heal holistically. I was actually married at the time and not happy. So I knew I needed to step out of that situation. And I was living in the States at the time and I knew I needed to come back to the UK. So there's a whole big story there. But movement was a big part of it. And after that experience, I remember going for a walk and hearing, <laughs> I'm going to say hearing voices here, which will send people somewhere else but I had this sense of I need to go faster okay and I actually took up running I'd never been a runner and I took up running and the first year when I was going through the healing of cancer I ran every day and it was the most amazing thing for me in fact I wrote an article for a running magazine about it um because where I was, where there was so much going on in my system in terms of detoxification, I struggled to sit still. So running became my movement meditation. Now, just sticking with this subject, but I guess yeah. um, thinking about, because some of our listeners will be thinking, you know, I'm just about to press stop now. Um, this is all woo. Um, you know, this holistic stuff, It's, it's it, none of it's real. And, um, and, I, personally, I do come at some of these things with a degree of scepticism because, yeah. you know, I'm I am quite sort of, I don't know, scientific in my in my approach. You know, I like to see can these things be replicated and proved and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I also am open minded enough to want to understand how these things work. So, dear listener, if you are just about to press stop, don't please go. don't because don't, this, is, this no. is this is really interesting. <laughs> I'll play the part of the listener that's saying, "Hang on a minute, Melanie, you're talking rubbish." Um, <laughs> What in that voice? Yeah, yeah. Whenever, whenever I'm being challenging, I'll go right to South London because that's where I live like for quite a long time. You know what I mean? So I was, I was born in Portsmouth, and and when we moved to South London as kids, the people in South London think that people from Portsmouth they think they talk with a West Country accent because it's all the same. Because in Portsmouth you go round, round, round about, um, whereas in West Country you go round and round, round, round about. Yeah. And but but for people in South London. Portsmouth accent. So I was Farmer Giles, apparently, <laughs> for years. And then I moved from South London to 
lots of places and eventually ended up in Scotland. And when I lived in Scotland, <laughs> I, in I instinctively brought up the South Lanark. So I like, taught, you know, I'm a geezer, you know what I mean? I talk, I talk like you, you talk well funny. And I, and I always, it's really quite bizarre. I always want to be like a bit different in the room. I'm just basically a I'm weirdo. not a sheep. I'm not a sheep. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I'm not a sheep. Or I'm a sheep with a pink stripe. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so, uh, yeah, so, so this, this journey you went on and you've reminded me of something that I, I think we talked about this before, actually, the, um, on the One You Feed podcast, one of the things that they talk about there is you can't think your way into new actions. You have to act your way into new thinking. Yeah. Um, and I think that's quite a powerful thing. And that sounds similar to what you were doing. You yeah. were, you were yeah. moving and that was actually having an, an effect on your thoughts and, and then your body. Yes. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. And it got rid of the cancer? Yeah, that's okay. the short story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were lots of different things. And I would always preface my own story to say to people, it's unique to whoever it is. You know, I made choices that were right for me, which was a completely holistic path. And that might not necessarily be right for everybody. So, sure. yeah. But presumably, regardless of who you are and regardless of your, you know, your, your ailments or what you want to be better about your life, what you do feel very strongly about is that movement can definitely have a positive effect on Absolutely. your mentality yeah. and how even end up how good you are at your job or how productive you are. You know, it yeah. can have a, a direct effect on that. Just tell us a bit more about why you think that's the case. Absolutely. So I've obviously seen it in my own system and I've been teaching for about 15 years. So you get the feedback from people that come through and I and I teach I teach all kinds of different classes and have taught all kinds of different dance based classes over the years okay. and the feedback is the same it's the same people always feel better in themselves it it's and I think it's the combination now with dance particularly it's the combination of brain applied to movement right to mu you've got the music element as well um but not everybody wants to do what I would call lyrical movement. Some people would rather do something like running or... What's lyrical um, movement? So dance, really. But I, okay. I, I say lyrical movement because when people think of the word dance, they think of performance. Right, right. So, and actually, I have come to realise that dance is a very vast term for anybody moving to music. Okay. Or even without music. Um, okay in a kind of fluid, lyrical fashion. Um, yeah, so so that's sort of my, my definition of it. But I, yeah, with, with students over the years, it doesn't matter what they've done, whether they've come to a dance fitness class, whether they've come to a holistic movement class, whether they've come to strength and conditioning, whether they've done Charleston with me or Samba, they all go away feeling better in their bodies, usually stronger, fitter, more agile, flexible, clearer in their minds. And, yeah. Go on, and... I was going to say, I'm sure there's a lot of scientific information out there about it as well, which I don't hold. I'm, I'm, I don't hold scientific information in my head. Well, I'm too busy doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it kind of, it does feel intuitive that yeah. um, if you move more and we'll... we'll We'll um, come onto the subject of people maybe being a bit sedentary in a minute. But if you move more, um, <clears throat> our bodies are designed for movement. They and are. if you're working with your body, that you know whether you whether you think in terms of 
um, you know, your nervous system and, uh, and, and, you know, how your whole body works together. Or some people think in terms of energy fields and chi yeah. and, 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 yeah. and all that stuff. Whatever, whatever approach is, to me, it makes sense that the more you move around, the more you're doing what your body was designed to do. Exactly. And ultimately, you know, yeah. if, you, if, if, you're, um, if you're doing something to your body that it is not designed to do, of course, eventually it's going to have a, um, a deleterious effect. I learned that yeah. word last week, deleterious. Ooh, I like it. That's a big uh, word. <laughs> why, why does that lack of movement have such a potent effect on people negatively? I think because they're in the same, they they probably are doing some movement, but it's the same patterns. So you're not, when you're in a, a situation like that, you're not using the equipment to its full capacity. And you know the phrase, if we don't use it, we lose it. And it, it, it comes back to that. So it's constantly, I like to call it oiling the joints. It's like, and I often use the car as an analogy because People, if something goes wrong with their car, they wouldn't think twice about taking it to the shop to get it fixed immediately. If something goes wrong with their body, a small thing, they will probably ignore it for six months. Yeah. And so we, we, the, the biggest relationship we will ever have in our life is the one we have with our body, our own body. You know, you might be married to another body. <laughs> <laughs> or in relationship but the biggest one you will ever have is with your own body so it pays to pay attention to what's happening in your system and how to to get the most out of it and keep it keep it going for as long as possible i think that i i think that's um that's quite a powerful phrase that, that, that maybe um maybe take some thinking about because you're absolutely right. The biggest relationship you have is with your body because ultimately everything in our lives is experienced through our body. And if you don't take care of the thing that's doing all yeah, of the, yeah. the seeing and this talking and hugging yeah. and all that stuff, then um, we all know that, you know, you leave the car outside the house for 10 years and never drive it. The day you need it, it ain't going to be there for you. No. Thinking about people then that don't necessarily have much movement in their job, um, what sorts of things could people do that doesn't take up a great deal of time, but they could perhaps easily build into their routines? What's yeah. your, what's I your think ideas? I think it's, made, first of all, it's prioritising. So prioritising one's health and well-being. And, and, and I know there's a lot of people, there's possibly people going, yeah, 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 I know that, you know, because I think there's a lot banded around about yeah. that. yeah. But until people make that personal connection to it, i.e. have a health crisis, they don't tend to react to, to that. And, and what I would really like to see is people making that connection earlier. So it's doing it in bite-sized chunks. If you've got five minutes, you know, if you can prioritise five minutes, say, in the morning, um, I mean, I would bring a little bit of, I, I don't like using the word meditation because, again, that carries big, but sort of five minutes closing your eyes in the mornings before you start doing anything in the day is powerful Yeah, because it allows it you to set up the day for yourself. So we start there and then you can go into your working day and then it's taking, taking breaks. Say, say work for half an hour and then stand up. And then this is something I think people can do is reach for the ceiling, 
literally stretch that spine because the spine gets kind of think about all those vertebrae it gets kind of crunched down okay when you're sitting in a chair yeah so actually if you can just get out of the chair we've got him doing it now he's doing it <laughs> i can see because i can just see his t-shirt <laughs> shorts day today <laughs> um and and literally stretching up and then like a rag dog dropping to the floor Okay. towards the floor so you could do that with straight legs or bent legs if it feels like a, a new move for you do it with bent legs because that gives you more range of motion in the lower back okay if you're someone that's comfortable with movement you do it with straight legs and then you're actually stretching out the the tops of the back of the legs called the hamstrings okay um i just need to uh probably put some sort of health warning disclaimer in here um <laughs> To our listeners, uh, we are not giving you medical advice here. No, <laughs> so we are um, not. you know, if you if you're going to start doing something that is is different to what you normally do, um, particularly if it's energetic, then obviously you make your own decisions about what you're doing and take whatever advice you need from a um, consult a, a physician before yeah. you start this routine. Um, <laughs> what accent was that? Uh, <laughs> You were going for somewhere and then kind yeah. of else. Yeah. yeah, I was going to America and got stuck in <laughs> stuck, Ireland. Yes. Um, yeah, so so please, um, you know, don't just act on our advice without. Uh, you're a grown up adult, but you know what I mean. Don't just do what we say. Um, stretching to the ceiling, dropping to the floor, because that to me, that is more movement than literally just standing up or walking exactly. around. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What else you're, can people do? And you're lengthening that spine. So you could so sitting at the desk, literally sitting at the desk. You can just rotate the wrists. Okay. Uh, so wrists into elbows, into shoulders. So we've got the three points there. You can then, you can lift the feet off the floor. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there you go. He's doing it, folks. He is doing it. <laughs> Handstands in a minute. No. Oh, no. <laughs> um, you can literally lift the legs off the floor, circle the ankles. These are really good for just circulation. Okay. Circle the other way, rotate yeah. one way. You can even, if you've got the space, you can do the same from the knees. Be a little careful around the knees. Yeah. Um, you can even just extend from the knee, let the leg rise up and back down so you're on the floor. So you're just literally that range of motion from the knee joint. So those are things you, you can stretch in your chair. So if you haven't, if you are so, which I hope you're not, so maxed out that you can't even leave the chair, yeah. these are things you can do in the chair. Okay. Um, I've got more. <laughs> so, so what you're suggesting is, A, we start the day with a bit of centering, whether that's like a full meditation practice or whatever your version of that is. Yeah. I mean, I do. I'm on a... Me too. I'm on a 255-day streak at the moment. Um, I've been meditating for about 10 years, and um, uh, I love it. And Me too. I'm the same. On it and all sorts. But, yeah. Um, yeah, at least taking five minutes just to stop and think about how you feel and what's going on in your brain and, and centre yourself. And then um, take a break every half hour. Now, that in itself, before you even start moving, can be challenging for people because, yeah. um, you know, habits can be tricky. My advice is always baby steps. Yeah. So, you know, if you start off with one a day and then grow it to two and three, yeah. um, but but getting into a routine you can actually do. The easier you can make it for yourself to do exactly. the habit, the more likely you are to do it. So yeah. set a reminder. A lot of these Fitbit devices now, they actually have an automatic reminder to tell you to get up and move around. So, yeah. so that can be useful. And also, I was just thinking, if people are doing, I know the half hour thing can be tricky. If you're in a project, hmm. 
and you got to get something done. So it's as as Steve was saying, it's like thinking around your working day. Where can you put those little moments in? Yeah. And uh, and then in your break, we've got a stretch to the ceiling, drop to the floor like a rag doll, sit and rotate your wrists and your elbows and your shoulders, uh, lift your legs up and uh, circle your feet or your legs or stretch at the knee. And the other thing I would add in, which you can do sitting or standing, is just a little side. You can even side stretch and lift one arm up. You can do this in the chair. Okay. Side stretch and lift one arm up. I'm actually doing this, people. <laughs> so that's two for the chair then. So one is you can yeah. just sit in the chair and stretch to the ceiling. Yeah. Um, the other one is to lean to the side. Yeah. So so there's some stuff you can do. You can build in. People can build um, in. Yeah. Presumably you'd be an advocate if you can, either in a lunch break or something, of getting up and walking around, going yes, outside. Yes, I was going to say that. Yeah. If you are inside walk, working, um, I am a massive fan of movement outside, whether it's dance, running, walking, tree climbing. Just I think that that connection with nature is even more powerful for movement. Um, so, yeah, if you can get outside, walk around your garden, around the block, whatever whatever you have time for. Yeah. Um, when my uh, partner's working at home and he has a, a, a sort of sedentary job, he will get up and go and walk around the garden for okay. five or ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. The connecting with nature is interesting. And I heard a I heard a theory the other day that to me, I wonder if it's if it's um if it's relevant. I don't know how true this is, I can't remember where I heard it, but the story goes that we are hardwired to feel good when there is green, lush vegetation around us. Because historically, if you are somewhere where there is green, lush vegetation, then you are likely to be able to find food uh, or, you know, or, or catch something to eat or your crops are doing well. There's, there is something hardwired in us that makes us feel good when we see green stuff around us. Even if you can just go and see some plants in the garden or see yeah. a tree, or but just try to f see something green um, or even... Bring it into your office. <laughs> he's, he's brought a plant into the picture. <laughs> uh, but 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 that that that's, that seems to make sense to me. Yeah, but I think I and I yeah, it's just thinking about. I, I I agree, and I think it's because nature is alive. We are alive. We're constantly growing, changing ourselves, and moving. And nature is doing the same thing. So we're literally in um you know in relation. It makes sense to our systems. Um. So yeah, re really powerful. Okay. Even if you are working somewhere where you going outside is more concrete, yep. you can still connect with that space around you. So I would do a mindful walk, let your eyes take in whatever is around you, swing your arms. So okay. if you haven't got that green nature, because I know sometimes people haven't got access to sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I was just thinking of that when you were. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing there, which. I have a real problem with this because I love a podcast. Um, I make them and I consume more than, than is, I love is probably too, healthy. Yeah. The problem I have is that when I go out and walk, often that is the only time of day that I have to, to be able to pop something in my ears and have a listen. The challenge with that, of course, is that you're blocking out one of your senses from the environment yeah. that you're in. And also, of course, mentally, you're concentrating on what people are saying as opposed to connecting with the yeah. people around you and so on. So you know, maybe the, the advice we're saying is that 
Only listen to one podcast, which is ours, Sharp Podcast. <laughs> Ditch all the others when you <laughs> when you go for but a walk. I think you have a point though, because I do yeah. see I see people. I'm someone that when I go out into to outside in nature, I want to connect with it. Yeah, I want to connect with that space. Yeah, whether it's urban, whether it's it's natural grown, and I do see lots of people with earphones in, and yeah. I I think. If you need to do that, that's fine. But also have some time where you don't do that. So you yes. are able to connect with the environment around you. Your okay. body will definitely feel better. Okay. Yeah. So, dear listener, we did start off. I said to uh, Mel, do you think we could come up with five top tips? I think we've got about 15 here, which is fantastic. So we've talked about why movement's important. We've talked about the relationship between movement and uh, uh, mental health and effectiveness at, at what you do. We've come up with some ideas of, of how you could move more um, and the sort of things you can build into your your day and, and and your time and I love that what you seem to do so well Mel is is just thinking about you know wherever you are they there you are so make the most of what you've got around you as opposed to um, you know wishing you could walk through Absolutely. a lush jungle or I something. Mean- and I think I think that um, lockdown taught us a lot about this. Oh. I mean, I was so inspired seeing people running marathons on balconies, and we did garden runs and stair. You know, it, it's and that really showed people actually movement can be really simple. It doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be expensive either, because that can be a barrier to to movement sometimes. Yeah, you can literally use the environment around you, the clothes you've got, the shoes you've got. You can. You don't need expensive weights. You can. You can use things in your in your cupboard. Cans of beans, bottles of water. If you want to strength train, you know. Yeah. There's all kinds of things, and I I absolutely love that. I find that that you come with your own resources. Yeah. The other thing that I think it connects to um, is that coming back to what you said earlier about mobile phones. I think one of the biggest challenges we have is that we are so busy, and our days are so crammed with stuff. Um, I'm working on a solution that with the clear course that I'm working on at the moment to help people solve some of those problems. But in the meantime, building into your day some space where you just stop thinking yeah. and you and and you stop getting your brain stimulated because many people might relate to the fact that actually they come up with their best ideas when they're in the shower or they've gone out for a walk or whatever. And it's because your brain has slowed down and you're giving it space to think about things that matters. And and often, if you've got a problem you need to solve, staring at that problem could be the worst thing to do. But if you go away from it and just go outside or move away from wherever this problem exists and don't think about it, our brains can can work on that solution. Um, and Or they can present us with ideas or come up with, with better ways of doing things. So I think giving your brain chance to just stop and, 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 and let it... Um, yeah, and it's allowing that creative side of ourselves through that it's it's... You know, I think people forget that actually, I always think of it like watching paint dry is actually a really creative space. Okay. (laughs) Because um, you're actually disconnecting from that busy analytical side of the brain and letting the the creative intuitive side of the brain have some room. And we need both to function. You, honestly, you have come up with... so many radical things and that for me is probably the most radical what we recommend is watch paint dry because and i'm no i'm being i'm not being flippant 
again, of course, that's the that's the cliche example of, of something that is is boring. But sometimes we need to be bored. We need to be forced to be bored to allow our brains. And I don't know if you know, uh, Mel, on YouTube, there is a 10 hour video called Watching Paint Dry. I did not know that. That is true. <laughs> I'm and unsurprised. somebody has filmed paint drying. Um, and I often use it as an example to say, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, the platform is not the solution. You've got to have something to say as well. So YouTube might be great. But there is a video that's 10 hours long called Washing Paint Dry. Uh, but maybe watch it for 10 minutes. So we've talked about a chunk of different things. Now, you mentioned your uh, your husband, and in our uh, sort of pre-recording talk, I discovered that you and uh, his name's Rob, isn't Rob, it? Rob, yeah, yeah, yeah. You and Rob are very different. Yeah. And it really struck a chord with me, and actually from our listeners' perspective, one thing I don't think we've ever talked about on the podcast before, we did it. We did a little bit with Steve and Lisa at the kitchen table. So in some past episodes, um, we've recorded where Lisa and I have a chat about a subject or how our week's going and so on. But one of the things I don't think we've ever addressed is in our relationship, Lisa and I have very different work days. Um, Lisa is employed. She does a great, big, important job. And, um, you know, she, she works really hard at what she does. Uh, the environment is very structured. Um, you know, she has less control over her working hours. You know, a lot of that is, is, is dictated for her. It's Monday to Friday. Um, whereas like you, I run my own business. Yeah. And, you know, this morning I was doing some stuff at five o'clock. This afternoon, I might clock off at half four. Yeah. Um, and one day I'm doing podcasting, the next day I'm doing training design or delivering a workshop. So, yeah. you know, we're doing very different stuff. That doesn't make for an easy relationship to manage at home when you're doing very different things. And I wonder for our listeners who... Um, who maybe haven't thought about the fact that thinking about how you plan stuff and how you make things happen in your home relationship can be a real force multiplier in terms of then how you feel at work and how you feel about other stuff. We have a, we have a weekly planner that we do on a Sunday and, and we plan out meals and who's where and all that kind of stuff because then we haven't got to think about it on the day and it makes it that easier. So in your, in your relationship with Rob, what your approach is to making that all work because <laughs> you are a bit different aren't you yeah yeah very very so yes he has the structured job and he has a very difficult job he's a probation officer for high risk offenders oh wow <clears throat> so he gets to work with the what what he when I first met him he described it as he gets to work with the people most people would cross the street to avoid okay the most difficult people on the planet yeah. so that is very intense. And I get to work with feathers. <laughs> <laughs> this is simplified. It's not quite that. But love it, it, love it, it, yeah. love it. <laughs> but we have, you know, my issues will usually concern errant dancers and, you know, headdress issues and things like that. His yeah. issues will concern, you know, things that can be potentially life-threatening. Yeah. So it hasn't been an easy... Um, marriage of, of our two sides yeah it definitely we had to um he had no idea what self-employed meant and looked like that right. was that was something that that um and so for him 
he goes to work he has a structured day like you were saying steve the control is mostly out of his hands yeah. when he shuts off he shuts off yeah that's it you know i can be doing um you know because I, I run a carnival group as well i can be doing a gig at 10 a.m on a saturday morning or 10 p.m on a saturday night okay and i am working or he can be coming home from work as i'm getting ready to go out and teach or or do something um I don't, we definitely don't have it down. I will say that <laughs> we, we are imperfect, yeah. but we are learning about communication. I mean, I think that's a given, isn't it? In most couples, um, communication is the bridge and constantly checking in with each other, which goes variously up and down. You know, if he's had a stressful day, um, he's likely to forget or a stressful week. And I've, you know, Friday has been, say, my rest day because Saturday I've got a gig and I get up Saturday morning and I've got to c- kind of go into performance mode. And he's like you know, <laughs> lying in or, or it relaxed mode. Um, it does take a lot of conversations about how to manage that. And when he's worked at home, we've had to manage our space in the house as well. Um, how did you do that? So he works, um, uh, we've got a small room upstairs that he works in, uh, which works best for the, because his work is sensitive and nobody can see it, there's a confidentiality to it. Of course. We did did try having him in the lounge, but then I would be coming in and out and I'd I'd have to, (laughs) I'm not looking at the, (laughs) yeah, it was too tricky. So, (laughs) and the lounge is better for me if I've got to do choreography I need the space. So so presumably the what I think yeah. what you're saying is the key is whatever your whatever from our listeners perspective whatever your space constraints are having a conversation about how you're each going to use that space is is yes, the key. Definitely. And reaching definitely. some sort of agreement instead of just yeah. assuming that the one with the most important job is the one that always has the prime space. Well I, I think, think it's interesting that they, I'm going to say this I think it's interesting you use that term. Yes. Because I think your job is interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm, it I'm is using important. Yeah. I'm using it. I'm using it colloquially because because what I'm suggesting is that I think that's what some people default to. I think yeah. they default to this perception that one job is more important than the other, and often Absolutely. that can be about, frankly, who's bringing the most dosh in. I know. You know. So if you've got someone who's bringing a lot of the the income in, yeah, there can be a default position that the other person should defer to yes. to to that that person's role. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily always helpful. Well, no, no. And also, and I, interestingly, I had this conversation with a friend um, who is in a similar space to me. Her husband has that more structured job, brings in, and she does lots of community, things for the community. So we impact the world in different ways. And I think it's tricky if you've always worked in that corporate world with a, with a strong sense of structure to understand the path of the self-employed. I was about to say the path of the unemployed. <laughs> Feels like it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Said one self-employed person. It did to in another. July. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> the path of the, the dance of the self-employed. Ah. The, the dance of, of the self-employed. Yeah. It, it's and you know we've had conversations over the years about when I you know should be shutting down. I'm doing air quotes and yeah. And I've had conversations with myself about how it all works, and I've realised that so much of my work is me. It's a, it's literally me. Yeah. And so 
it's becoming comfortable with that aspect. And the more I'm comfortable with that, then the less stress there is around it because it's almost an extension of who I am. Um, and that's probably not the case for everyone that's self-employed. Some people have businesses that are separate from them. What I do know is that when people are self-employed, although it may not feel like it always, often people are doing what they do because they love what they do. It's a yeah. conscious decision to work in the area you're working in. And I'm not suggesting that people who are employed don't make that decision. Of course they do. But some of what they actually do on a day-to-day -day basis is out with their control. Whereas if you're self-employed, you, you, you have a bit more control over what you're going to focus. And, and I think, uh, again, I don't speak for everyone, you, even you may feel differently. Sometimes I struggle with the fact that because I love what I do so much, if Lisa's had a really hard day, I feel guilty. Because I feel like, hang on a minute, you know, she's having some real challenges you you should have challenges it's only fair steve that you have challenges and I, and i'm like you know actually i've designed a workshop or i've delivered something to to a client who who you know skills have changed people's lives but i've loved it <laughs> yeah um and 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 there can be sometimes an imbalance in in this maybe sense of duty about if one's having a hard time the other one feeling a little bit uncomfortable of the fact that, well, maybe I don't want to talk very much about how great my day's been because that might not help. I don't know. Does any of that? Yeah, no, I think it's, and I think that probably goes on with jobs anyway, doesn't it? In, yes. in relationships. Um, yes. And I, yeah, and, and that's it. I mean, I would say my path with what I've been, what I do, I love it, but it hasn't always been easy. And sometimes I've clung on for dear life thinking, what the f am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah, yeah you are. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? You yeah, know, yeah, this is yeah. this is crazy. This yeah. is, but there's a part of me that knows this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm meant to deliver in the world, somehow. And it just takes. I don't know if you find this. It just takes that one person who messages or contacts and says, "Oh my gosh." That was amazing, whatever that thing was, whether yep. it was coming to class for the first time. I've got a student who's come back after several years. She's like, oh, this is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I go, oh, yeah, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. The flip side is um, you can go a whole month with no income. You know, yeah. you don't know where the yeah. income's coming from. Yeah. And obviously, if you're partnered with someone who does have that regular income, they don't have that stress so, so i think exactly it's, it's yeah. the difference which is interesting that's what we've had to talk about a lot over the years yeah is is that understand is understanding that precariousness that you live in when you're self-employed and it's it's part of a way of life and how do you manage it and sometimes my my brain goes well i could just go get a blah, 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 down that down that down that sort of train of thought and i look at that for five minutes and i'm like oh no no, I can't, I can't do that. I'll have to carry on with what I'm doing and deal with it's finding some grace in those moments and knowing that somehow it all works out because I really do believe that when you're, I'm going to use the word divine, but when you're in that, that space where you're divinely guided to do what you, you inherently feel called to do, yes. you are always looked after. Okay. It's not always evident. So this is me being challenged in South London. Again, I know I'm getting a bit woo. <laughs> no, no. But again, I think I think a lot of this depends on perspective. So my version of that is that if you are doing what you love, um, 
sometimes it's easy to focus on, uh, you know, when you're presented with a with a, a light month or, or, you know, you don't have a pipeline of clients or, or yeah. you know, the income's not coming in. Sometimes it's easy to focus on the fact that no matter how hard you're working, you're not bringing that income in, and that and that can become all-consuming. Yes. Um, my experience now, two and a half years, is something comes along. Something yes. always comes along. Always. And and it 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 can be quite hard to get used to accepting that it, it's okay. You know, you'll have a tough time, but something will come along because if yeah. you're doing something meaningful and you're putting it out there in the world and and people are getting benefit from it. There will be a new client. There will be someone that yeah. needs help. You know, the opportunity will present itself. Um, and, and my experience is that that's more likely than maybe you might fear um, yeah. sometimes. And I've, I've learned to embrace the failures, to, ah. to use that. Yeah, to 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 use that. Well, I don't really like using that word because I don't see it really like that. But to embrace that space of when it all looks like it's caving in, because if you can really allow that to happen, the door is then wide open for something else to come in. And you might have a conversation that leads to something else. And yeah, yeah. So, um, so we've talked about in, in kind of in terms of you managing your relationship, we talked about the importance of communication with you and Rob, uh, checking in with each other, Managing the space, the physical space that you work in. So having conversations, not just assuming that this space belongs to one person or another, but talking about that even on a daily basis, depending yeah. on what the people have got on. Um, you've talked about not defaulting to the biggest breadwinner or the person with the air quotes, most important job, um, always uh, 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 prioritising their needs because yeah. you both have needs. Um, you've talked about um, if you're doing what you're meant to do, using that um that sort of acceptance that 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 good will come uh, if you're self-employed and um and and when you do have challenges embracing that challenge accepting that and and just sitting and living with it and and going yeah. okay this is happening yeah that's all right don't pretend it's not happening but also don't cat- catastrophize that yeah. word you know kind oh, of no, like somewhere in, in the middle um <laughs> Is there anything else in terms of the, the things you and Rob do at home that we haven't covered that you think would be useful, interesting for the listeners to consider? I think we um, – so we we are people who have different interests as well. So I am someone that will go and do anything, and I will go – if I want to do it, it doesn't matter whether anyone else wants to do it with me, I will go off and do it. Um, and I like to try all kinds of activities, you know, parkour, roller skating, sea swimming, um, I'm, I am a movement person. I'm, and he's not really. He he has a. He likes to run. Um, so one of the things that we've been looking at more is where are the common areas that we can, whether it's watching a television program together that we both want to watch, right, or going off and doing something together. So I suppose some people might call it date night, but yep. I know he would hate it if I called it that. <laughs> <laughs> he would absolutely hate that. So. It just finding those because obviously there's a lot out there about being individual and you know making sure you look after yourself etc. But that nurturing place in the relationship is you know what 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 has brought you together yes. and um, where where is that common ground? I mean we have <laughs> I don't know how many times we've rewatched re I can't even speak we've rewatched the Fraser box set. Oh nice! Because <laughs> we're both huge fans. Yeah, yeah. New series coming apparently. Oh my goodness! He's re- re- he's he's back, and they're making a he's completely back, oh new series. Or it's, it's, I'm not sure it's a film or a series, but yeah, there's Some, something yeah, on I the did cards. hear something. Yeah. yeah, so it's 
And I have to say for us, comedy, comedy is, I mean, if, we, if we're struggling, a whole um, episode of Father Ted will put <laughs> every, <laughs> we'll sort everything out. Oh, dear. We're both big Father Ted fans. But so I think, and I know humour isn't always the easiest place to get to when things get tense in a relationship. Yeah. But it, if you can get there, you yeah. suddenly realise, oh, uh, we're all taking this a bit seriously. So th- you've said two th- different things there, which I think actually both apply and support each other. So it's the importance of taking time for you as a couple, what you yeah. do together and, and planning that in. So yeah. not just assuming that will happen by accident. That's the big no. thing for me. You know, yeah. if we just if we just think, oh, when we've got some spare time, we'll do this. Well, come on, let's be honest. How often do you sit there thinking, oh, what am I going to do for the next hour? <laughs> so, so it's yeah. planning it in. Yeah. And also, I do think that idea of, of also, if you have individual interests, that it's okay for you to, yeah. to plan in your individual stuff as well. And, yeah. and that you, you know, again, obviously it comes back to communication. You're talking yeah. about it, but, but I think that's important. Cool. Um, so um, we talked about you, movement, uh, the importance of movement, how it affects people's health, mind and effectiveness. We talked about the difference between movement and fitness, how people can build movement within the working day. And we've come up with some top tips, which we'll put people in the show notes for people to check in on. Um, and then we kind of moved into the area of, see what I did there. Uh, we moved into the area of you and Rob and the relationship and how people that are self-employed and people that are employed are working together. But to be honest with you, any anybody that's in a relationship where there is a difference between the dynamic yeah. of, of someone's employment and someone else's, which could be about income, it could be about status, it could yeah. be about... Um, and the status one also, I think, is relevant. There are lots of people, I think, where maybe, you know, someone is a is a director and the other person is doing a, you know, what might appear to be a lower status job. But of course, as you said, that doesn't mean that's less important. And, and it's, yeah. it's addressing that in the relationship. Um we talked about some top tips that you and Rob do for, for working together and, and and making things work, which, again, we'll put in the show notes. Um, Melanie, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've really, really enjoyed it. I, you've got such energy and such... There's, there's, there's like, a, there's like a, a light that shines out from you, and I can see why people, um, you know, feel empowered and energised when you've got them jumping around and covered in feathers and all, all sorts of stuff. Um, where can people find out more about you? So this is your opportunity to tell everybody about your business, your online presence. Yeah, so I have a website. It's literally my name, melaniegriffiths.com, and it has everything on there. Um, I do classes in person on the Isle of Wight, classes online, um, holidays, we are hoping to get an ABBA-themed dance holiday off the ground next year. Plug, plug, plug. Sorry, did you say an ABBA-themed <laughs> I holiday? I did say ABBA, yeah. Wow. <laughs> ABBA-themed dance holiday, yeah. Nice. I've got the vision. I'm just trying okay. to bring it into realisation. Cool. I do dance um, dance movement wellbeing holidays each year, um, which involve all of the, the physical dance stuff I do, meditation as well um downtime and um hoping to run one to turkey i think next year so that would be the dance well-being um uh, and they are fantastic opportunities for getting in an immersion space with your own well-being so when you go on one of these experiences you leave the rest of the world behind 
you focus solely on yourself, on your relationship with your body and movement, your mind. Um, And it gives you a chance to reset, to go back into the world. And that's kind of where I'm probably heading more with my work is wanting to create more. Okay. So melaniegriffiths.com. Again, I'll put the link in the show notes. Are you on other social media or anywhere else? Yes. So I'm on Facebook. Facebook. Um, I've got a Movement Junkie page. Okay. Um, there is a Samba Solent page because I run a whole carnival dance. Right. Uh, <laughs> so that has its own thing. Okay. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, which cool. is my name. Yep. Um, and Instagram. I think I'm Movement Melanie on Instagram. I'll put all the links to all of those in the show notes so people can just go to the to the show notes of the episode and click straight on the links and, and find you. Fab. Melanie, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much. Oh, um, loved it. What have you got a final message for our listeners? What uh, what what do you want them to remember from this conversation? I want them to just get out and move. I I, I don't care what you do. It, I want you to to just release the fear on movement because people are still afraid. I still have people coming into classes going, "I'm terrified." Um, if there's a class you want to do, go do it. Um, if there's something that you want to do as an activity, go do it. You will always be supported by the other people in the space. But the main thing is just get moving, get your body moving, get your body moving, whether you're getting out of bed, moving it, whether you're sitting at the desk, moving it, whether you're training for um, an Olympic triathlon, whatever it is, get it and keep it moving. Thank you so much. Have a fab rest of the day. Thank you. I See will. you later on. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 We hope that you enjoyed what you've just listened to. Have a look at the show notes for the episode and there you'll see the links, resources that we used and there's reminders there to help you get better at what we talked about. You know, making this podcast is a labour of love and we genuinely do it for one reason, to help you. And we want to help as many people as we can, but to do that, we need your support. So now this is where you can help us. You can share our episodes on social media. You could send a link to a friend or help them subscribe on their device. And another free way you can support is to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher app. Thanks for your help. It's really appreciated. Bye-bye.